afternoon, everybody. Hey, guys. Good to see you all. Well, welcome to Hope Community Church. My name is Amos. I'm one of the pastors here with my wife, Eleanor, who left. I'm so excited this afternoon to continue the series that we started a couple weeks ago called I Am. We've been going through the Gospel of Luke. The Gospels is a group of four books that document the life of Jesus at the beginning of the New Testament. And we've been looking specifically at the book of Luke and the stories about Jesus and the things he said and the things he did and trying to, to learn about him, who he was, who he is, and who he always will be. So today we're going to look at a parable of Jesus that he told to his disciples. And he had a group of people there also listening. He had some tax collectors. He had some sinners. The Bible just calls sinners. Um, Pharisees and teachers of the law. So he had like a mixed group of people that he was talking to. And he already told a parable. And he's been talking to these people for a while. So he's been teaching for a while. Um, and it just, as you see at the beginning of our, when we get to the passage, it just says, Jesus continued. So he just was teaching. And they probably all looked at him and he just kept going. Here's another thing. Um, anyways, um, a parable, I thought it would be good to say what a parable was, is a simple story used to illustrate a, mor a moral or a spiritual lesson. So that's the simple um, version of what a parable is. Um, Jesus told stories. I don't know if you knew that, but in the New Testament, it's both him just telling stories. And there's reason for that. When you go to a party, what do people share? Stories. When you're at school, what do people like? Stories. That's how people talk. That's what gets transferred from generation to generation. Is stories. People remember the stories. That's the first reason that Jesus told stories. Is because that people would remember them. As simple as that. People remember stories. If, if I yelled a bunch of facts at you right now, a week later you would not remember any, almost any of the facts, right? You might remember one. But that is a fact. You would not remember the facts. <laughs> but people remember stories. No. Uh, rich. Um, stories make people think. So you, you're at, your brain is engaged more when you're listening to a story than when I'm, again, telling you facts. And the other reason Jesus, I think Jesus said stories was because you had, like, there was a, a point where you you could understand or you couldn't understand. In some, in some cases, they chose to understand or they chose to not understand. Like the Pharisees, sometimes, Jesus would tell a story, and it's clear to us reading the story, but the Pharisees would be like, what? Like, that doesn't make sense. Or even his disciples would come to him later and be like, you just told this story, what did that mean? And so that was part of, part of the reason he told us, so you had to dig in, you had to think about it, you had to, to dive into the story to learn what he was trying to tell you. You guys ready for this story? Yeah? <laughs> Open your Bibles to Luke 15, verse 11. I'm going to take a drink while you can turn your pages or slide up your screen. Water. All right, verse 11. If you don't have it, it's on the screen for you. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, 
give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. We're going to stop there just for a second. Most biblical scholars think this was the older son. And the older son would get more of the inheritance than the younger son. That's how it worked. So he would have gotten a very large share. Because we know, as we read through this, the father had many servants and many things. So he would have got, let's, let's say, two-thirds. If there were only two sons, he would get about two-thirds-ish. Something like that. So he would have got a large portion of this estate. All right, moving on. Verse 13. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off um, for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. We're not going to focus on the son. There's two sons in the story. We're not going to focus on them a ton because I think this story is, is mislabeled, let's say. Because in most Bibles, it'll say, like in, in Luke, it's called, um, what is it called? Well, it's called the prodigal son, I think, in Matthew. But in this one, it's the lost son. And it's all, all focused on the son. But really, the star of the story is the father. And the story should be labeled the good father. And that's what we're talking about today. We're going to focus on the father and who he is. Because that's what Jesus is really, he's describing who God is to these people. Um, but this, this son takes everything, spends it all, apparently made no friends. But if we've watched anything in our, like our society, if you have money, people will hang out with you until the money's gone. And then they leave. If that... That's the level of friendship you were at. They just leave. And so he probably had a ton of people around him. He had money. He went out to all these places, hung out with people, bought them stuff. He ran out of money. They all left. He had nothing. No one was helping him. He went and got hired as a pig farmer. Guess what? The, the Jews could not eat. Unfortunate for them, right? Because bacon is amazing. They cannot eat the pig. But he was feeding, he was feeding something that was unclean in his own house. That's how low he had stooped. So we're gonna talk about it a little, but not too much. No one gave him anything. Verse 17. So he's in a really bad spot, let's just say. When he came to his senses, seems like this should have been obvious from a long time before this, he said. How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. It says he came to his senses, but again, I'm like, I'm like, dude, it took you that long to figure it out? But I think that happens to us sometimes as well. And people on the outside can see, like, hey, you're going down a long, lonely road. But it takes us in, because we're stuck looking where we're going and what's happening around us. We, we can't see the whole picture. We have to get all the way to the end of that road before we're like, this was a bad road. This is a bad way to go. Why did I go this way? And then we turn around. 
the very, the very um, wise of us in this room start going down that path and realize it quicker and turn around and go the other way. That's, that's we'll call them wise folk. So he went to his father, and here is where it gets good, where the good father shows who he is. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. And then the son, like, you know, he's trying to, he's trying to talk. I imagine his dad is just squeezing him. He's trying to tell his dad why he's back. He's like, he's, the son said to his father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your, your son. If you remember from a little earlier, that's not all he practiced. You know, he, was, he had this whole thing that he wanted to tell his dad. But his dad cuts him off and says, um, but the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. We might talk about the end of the story because the older, or the, oh, the older son was that. So this was the younger son, never mind, it was the younger son. So he took a third of the estate. The older son stayed and got mad that his brother was back. But we went, we're not gonna focus on him, we're gonna focus, uh, focus on, the, on the father. So I have 37 quick points on the father. <laughs> no, I have six, okay. Number one, can we go to the point number one? Can we skip the verses and go to point number one? The Father gives us free will. He'll give, he gives us stuff. He, he'll bless you with things, and he'll let you do whatever you want with them. You can take it, and you can go off to, to a distant city, and you can squander all of that. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> we can do whatever we want with what God gives us. It's our choice. He gives us that ability. And that's pretty amazing in itself. Point number two. The good father is full of love and compassion. To the point that he is reckless, he's passionate. And, it, and this compassion, this love for us, drives him to action. One of the most famous verses in the Bible, John 3, 16, said, For God so loved the world that he gave. And I, I skipped over that portion of the verse for so long. That little portion that said, that he gave. His love drove him to action. His love didn't just sit there. It wasn't... I've. I've talked about this to many people, but his love wasn't like this fuzzy feeling for us. It wasn't like, ooh, I feel, feel so good about Eleanor right now, this fuzzy feeling. So I know his love took him, he looked at the earth, and his love was so strong he did something. And that's what love is. Love is an action. Love drives us to action. And that's what God's love did here. Let's, in this culture that Jesus is talking to, if you were the father of a household, you have adult sons, you have servants everywhere, a father would not run. That is just something he would not do. It's not like now where everyone runs around to stay in shape. That's, it wasn't a thing. <laughs> he, he, has his, he has his 
best robes on, like he just walks around, he goes, hey, you go do that, you go do this, hey, bring me something. And so he would just walk or sit. He did not have to run. He did not have to exert himself. And he sees his son a long way off, which means he was sitting there waiting and looking down the road, hoping every day that his son would come walking down the road. Every single day he's waiting because he saw him a long way off. It wasn't random like, because you don't see stuff a long way off if you glance. He's waiting. He's staring down that road. Is he going to come back yet? And he sees him, and then he runs. A guy who has probably not run in years. Now, let me tell you, that is a reckless move. If you haven't run in years, and you just get up and you start running, most likely that, is not, that ain't going to feel too good on the old body. Thanks, Eleanor. That is a reckless move. He gets to his son. He doesn't just go, hey, man, thanks. You're back. Awesome. No, he doesn't do He grabs him, brings him in, and starts kissing him. I think all over, all over his face, just, you know, like. Do you guys remember that song, How He Loves? There's a line in it that is super famous for people not wanting to sing it. <laughs> because it was so awkward. But there's a line that says, sloppy wet kiss, and heaven meets earth like a sloppy wet kiss. And I love the line, because I remember this story. Like the father ran into his son, he didn't go, that wasn't it, that was the kiss. He went up and he just started kissing him and hugging him. It was sloppy, it was messy. That's the picture I have in my mind of God's love. Not like some little, like, Forehead kiss or a little cheek or something. They're like, no, he just went at it, you know? You know, anybody have an uncle like that? They'll like hug you and kiss you and you're like, dude, get off me. I have one uncle that did that to me once and I was like, dude, bro, bro, calm down. Calm yourself. But you see that love, that compassion made him run, made him embrace his son, made him kiss his son. He had to because God's love drives him to action every time. And God is looking and waiting for us to come back. Point number three, the good father forgives, restores, and celebrates repentance. God will always be excited when we return. No matter how far you've gone or how much you've turned away, he's excited every time you come back. Every single time. I don't, like... I think all of our lives, we have moments where we turn away from God. All of us. It's not like one of us is like, yeah, me. I turned away and came back and you're all great. No, we all have moments where we're like, we went down our own path and we left God over there. And we, we decided, hey, I'm going this way. And then when we come back, what do we, see, this is what is crazy about the story. He's always excited. He's always going to run to us. He's always going to embrace us. But every time we walk away, even a little bit, we feel ashamed and we don't want to go back. Because we, we're like the son. We're like, he's not, he shouldn't accept me. I did everything against him. He shouldn't accept me. And we come back like so ashamed. Like shame is not from God. Amen. Yeah. It is not from God. 
Is he happy that we went the wrong way? Of course not. But he is so happy when we turn around. He's so happy when we start walking to him. He's so happy. He celebrates. I'm not going to get into a ton of what he like, puts on his son. Puts on a robe. Puts on sandals. Puts on a ring. He doesn't just say, hey, you're back. Great. He restores him as his son. He restores him to a place of authority. He's like, here's my ring. That has our seal on it. You can, you can start making decisions. You can do stuff. Here's my robe. Here's some sandals. You're not just a servant. You're a son with authority. I think we, it's hard for us. It's hard for me. If I mess up or do hard given up, you know, Sundays is notorious for arguments. Right, babe? Oh, yeah. Before we get to church, it's like, I don't know what it is about Sundays, but that's the day where we're frustrated with each other. We're, we're mad at each other. We say stupid stuff to each other. And then we're like repenting to each other <laughs> 20 minutes before church. Like, when you repent, sorry, I'm sorry, babe. I'm sorry. You know, but if, if we don't, for some reason, reconcile, it feels terrible to be. It feels like I shouldn't be here. It feels like I shouldn't be. It feels like I shouldn't have authority. I shouldn't be his son. It, I shouldn't be here. But it's like that, that's the opposite of the case. Like, yes, we should reconcile before it happens, but he is there. He still gives us authority. He's, he's still going to honor us. He's still with us. He's always excited when we return. And now we've, well, I think we've got pretty good at reconciling before church. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're just, yeah. Monday morning, all right, here we go. We're going to put this off. Don't do that, you shouldn't, really. It's a whole other thing. Let's, go, let's move on to point number four. That, that was three, right? Yes. Four. The good father sees us. He sees where we're at. He sees what we're going through. He knows, I wrote down, he knows the good, the bad, and the ugly of our lives. And he wants to, to be there in all of it. He doesn't just want to hang out with you when you're doing great. He wants to hang out with you in everything. And I think we, me especially, I say we, but me especially, when I am down and when I'm not doing well, I don't feel like God wants to be with me. And it's just a lie. It's a lie. He wants to be with you in the good, the bad, and the ugly. Number five, God gives us everything we need. Everything he has, he gives to us. I kind of got ahead of myself with the authority of the ring and the, the cloak and the sandals. He gives us authority. He gives us a place at the table. He throws a feast for us. He gives us everything we need. And he always will. And number six, the good father will never give us give up on us, no matter what. No matter what we're going through, no matter how far we go away, we're not going to give up. And the, the, the whole point of this sermon is maybe the simplest sermon I could preach. But the next slide is that the, the, the good father cares about you. 
He cares about you. He cares about everything about you. He cares about who you are and where you're going. He cares about your past, your present, your future. He cares about your family. He cares about your work. He cares about the way you think about yourself. He cares about how you think about others. He cares about the way you talk. He cares about the way you spend your money. He cares about the way you eat. He cares about everything about you. Everything about you, he cares. <laughs> Frankie Lake Kick, there it is. The good father cares about everything about you. I was thinking as worship was going on, I was thinking about all this, all the interactions I have as an Uber driver late at night. Because I stay up super late on weekends usually. I was out till 3.30 in the morning, drive people around on Friday night, Saturday morning. And I was thinking about this story. And I was, I was thinking, <laughs> I'm, I'm really glad I'm an Uber driver sometimes. I'm not glad how many miles it's putting on my car right now. <laughs> but being in church all the time and growing up, you kind of get in a church bubble or in a Christian bubble. And if you're an Uber driver, you're not in a Christian bubble. That's, that's not a thing. And so it helps you understand what's actually going on around you. And some nights of Uber driving, I just laugh a lot because people are silly. And sometimes I'm just, I get sad. Like I get home and I'm like, that is like the highlight of their week right there. And they passed out in the back of my car. Like that's... That's the greatest part of the week. Sometimes I get sad. And I thought about this. The good father never gives up. The good father loves and, and is waiting for everyone to come back. That's not just us here. He's like waiting for us to repent of sin or something. He's, he's waiting and watching for every single person to come back. Saying, hey, I, 
there's an area in my life, or maybe my whole life, or just something going on that I've said, I'm going to do this my way. I'm, I'm going to walk away from God in this area. And you, you just want to confess that and let me pray for you. I'd just like to raise your hand right now. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for all the hands raised on Raise my hand as well. I like, I like to do things on my own. Lord God, I thank you that every single time we come back, you run to us and you hug us and you kiss us and you restore us. So Lord God, I pray that's what you do right now. As we confess and as we, we bring our stuff to you and lay it at your feet, Lord, just embrace us again afresh. Show your love to us fresh and anew. We love you and we declare that in Jesus' name. And I don't want to I don't want to miss an opportunity for someone who's never ever said yes to Jesus. So if you bow your heads one more time. If you have never said yes to Jesus, you've never come to Jesus, you've never accepted that hug and that kiss of our good Father, we're just going to offer that opportunity right now. So if that's you, you want to say, hey, I want, I want to be a son of the good father. I want to follow Jesus. I'd like you to raise your hand right now. If you've never done that before and you want to commit to following Jesus, go ahead and raise your hand. Amen. Lord Jesus. Thank you that you're 